you would have them ha- have us place them or who you would have us give them to. And uh, you know whose hearts are ready to receive. So just lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. And as this word goes forth, we declare it will go forth. It will be a blessing to those who will hear it, believe it, receive it, and consistently act upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get into the word of God. You got your Bibles with you? Open them to Galatians, the sixth chapter, if you would, and the ninth verse. Galatians, the sixth chapter. And the ninth verse, I'm going to read this out of the New International Version. And this is a scripture that that all of us ought to mark or highlight in our Bibles and something we ought to read on a regular basis. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 in the New International Version says the Apostle Paul, now he's writing to the church, the churches of Galatia. And uh, so he's writing to a whole bunch of Christians, and uh, not just one church, but, but a whole region. And this applies to us as well. And notice what he says here. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, uh, don't, don't, don't just start thinking about money on this verse, because this verse takes in so much more than money. <clears throat> money is just a, probably the, the smallest part of it. But notice he says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, as I've studied in, into this verse... I guess if I were going to put it in my own words, because I looked up some of the, the, the Greek words and what they really mean and are saying, I just put it this way. So, so listen to this. What, what this verse is really saying is, put in my own words, would be this, this. You've pursued God. Anybody pursue God in here besides me? You pursued Him. You got His plan for your life. You did the best you could to, to find out what he wanted you to do. And then you've, you've worked very hard to achieve it. To the point that you've become fatigued, tired. Anybody ever get fatigued or tired besides me? And you become fatigued and tired and actually beyond tired, you become totally exhausted and out of breath. You ever run a race or walk real fast and... You start, get out of breath. But you, you've done everything you know to do. You've obeyed God the very best you can. And you, you're just almost out of breath. And you're still not across the finish line. Things are still not as they should be. And then you've become discouraged. Has anybody ever gotten discouraged besides me? And you've lost your motivation You've lost your motivation. You know, motivation is a, is a wonderful thing. It's good to have motivation. It's good to be motivated. But you've lost your motivation. Does anybody know what I'm talking about there? And you, you've lost your motivation to accomplish your God-given goal. I mean, you, you want to do it. You, you want to accomplish it. You want to accomplish that dream that God's given you. You've done everything you've known to do. But you've, you're just out of breath. And you've lost your motivation 
To the point that, and this is what these Greek words are really saying in this, in this Galatians 6-9. To the point that you are ready to turn loose of your dream. You're ready to turn loose of, of that thing that God's told you to do. You're just ready to turn loose. You're ready to put an end to it. I know I've gotten on the treadmill sometimes and I'm supposed to go however many miles. And I'm running. And I get about halfway there and everything in my body screaming. Stop. And you know, you look down and you think you're almost there and you still got another mile to run. You know, you know what I'm saying? And, and you just want to just turn, hit the button, turn the thing off and step off the treadmill. You know, you know what I'm talking about? That you're just ready to turn loose of it, turn the, it's kind of like George Jetson. Does anybody remember the Jetsons? Anybody remember the Jetsons? It's a cartoon, and and he's out there running on that on that, and, and he says, "Jane, that was his wife." What did he say? Jane, stop this crazy thing. Has anybody ever gotten there? It would be helpful if you knew something about the Jetsons. I guess. Jane, stop this crazy thing. But you're ready to turn loose of you're you're just ready to say you know you turn loose loose you know I've I've tried to I've tried to, Lord I've done everything I know to do I'm still not where I'm supposed to be and I'm just ready to turn loose of it put an end to it put an end to it to throw in the towel anybody know what that means throw in the towel if you don't I'll tell you it's it's in boxing. You have the two the two guys out there boxing, you know, and when the one guy gets beat up to the point where the you know his his eye is slit open and his nose is bleeding and mouth is bleeding and so what what would happen is the manager uh, was they call it the manager the trainer the trainer his trainer when he saw that his guy out there was beaten to the point where he was a serious injury was what would he do he'd take that towel and he'd Throw it in, and that would be an indication that the referee needs to stop the fight. Has anybody ever wanted to throw in the towel besides me? Just throw that thing in. Just put an end to it. Throw in the towel. Give up and quit. And what this verse is saying is that you've done everything you know to do. You've gotten tired. You're ready to give up and quit. Turn it loose. Forget the whole thing. Not, not, not turn away from God. That's not what this is talking about. You know there's a difference between turning away from God and turning away from the thing He's told you to do. We're not talking about turning away from God here. We're talking about turning away from the assignment that He's given you. There's a, there's a different, there's a difference between turning away from God. I would trust nobody in here, including me, would ever do that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about turning away from the assignment that he's given. Would anybody ever turn away from the assignment God's given them? I can think of one person right off the top. It starts with a J and ends with an A and he was in the belly of a fish. He quit really before he got started, didn't he? This isn't really even talking about Jonah. This is talking about somebody that you've been running on that treadmill God's given you to run on for a long time. And you still hadn't gotten to your destination. You're worn out. You're tired. Ready to turn loose of it. And then you know what this verse goes on to say? 
It's not a matter of turning away from God. It's a matter of just quitting on the thing he's told you to do. But you know what this verse says? It says, don't give up and quit. Did you know that quitting is the easiest thing that anybody has ever done? Do you know why it's so easy to quit? Because anybody can do it. All you have to do is just not get out of bed in the morning. Or just sit down and don't do, don't do anything. Quit. Don't give up and quit is what God is saying here. And then he goes on to say, because if you don't quit, you will reap a harvest when the time is right. And the time, as you study into it, is a time as appointed by God. When, if, if you don't quit... And I've learned this in walking with God. The only way to ultimately be defeated is if you quit. But if you refuse to quit and just keep right on doing what you know to do, that there is a God-appointed time. And you know, His times are different than our times. He sees time a whole lot different than we do. How many of you know that, 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 that a thousand years is a long time to me? How about to you, is it? But a thousand years to God is like what? One day, the Bible says. So, you see, my lifetime, I'm 53 years old. To me, that's a long time. But to God, that's barely, barely a wink of the eye. His times are different than ours. And what this scripture is saying, that if we don't give up and quit, we will, we will. God said we will. We will reap a harvest. When the, the time is appointed by him is right. And, and, and do you know how that I can know that this message is for you? I'll tell you right here. If you're sitting there thinking, you know what? I've heard this before. I've heard these kind of things before. I've heard these kind of things for years. And I still hadn't gotten to where I'm supposed to be. I still hadn't gotten, gotten, gotten where I need to be. I st- if, you're, if that's been rolling around in your heart and your mind while I've been saying these things, guess what? This message was designed for you. It's designed to help you. Because one way I can tell that, 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 that you've gotten to the point where you're ready to give up, give up and quit is, where, is when you're listening to this. And you, has anybody ever sat and listened to a message and, I've heard this before. I've heard this many times before. I've heard this many, many times before. I don't really think this applies to me. If this was going to happen to me, it would have already happened by now. Guess what? This message is for for you. To help you. God's saying, don't give up and quit. Because He does really, whether you think so or not, the Bible says it, that He has a foreordained time where you will reap and you will walk in that blessing that God has for you. He's got a foreordained time. The only thing you have to do is not what? Not give up and quit. Makes me think of this story that I heard many years ago about an oil drilling crew. And they was out drilling oil. And they had, before they got the, bought the property, they had done the geological work on it, you know. 
And they had had a company come in and this piece of property was supposed to really be a very valuable lot of oil in it. And so they, they purchased the property and they began drilling. They brought the rigs in and they began drilling. And they drilled and they drilled. They drilled for, for days, weeks and months. And they'd gone down hundreds and even thousands of feet. And everything in the geological report said there's, there's a lot of oil down there. And they drilled and they drilled and they drilled. And all the crew and everybody, the foreman and everybody, the, 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 the owner of the company, they, they had drilled and drilled and drilled. And guess what? They got tired. Guess there's no oil there. And they be, they threw in the and they closed up the rigs and the and the owner said, "That's all I can." Remember what Popeye said? "That's all I can stands. I can't stands no more." And he said, "We've we, we've got Popeye and the Jetsons. Wonder who else we'll bring in here before." But they said, "We're done. We're we're not. We're finished." And they they closed up the rigs and they left. And that. Ground just sat there. Finally, many years later, it, it, uh, some other people, some other, another oil company looked at the geological reports, and they, uh, they, they, they said, "Well, we think there's oil there, but don't you know this other person drilled and drilled and drilled?" And they, well, uh, yeah, but the geological reports are good. So they bought the property. They came out up. They set their rigs up. They started down that same hole that that other company had d- dug down. Years, a couple years before, and they dug down, and you know, within I think it was within about ten feet of drilling. Guess what? They hit a gusher, made them all multimillionaires many times over. What's the lesson? That former rig that was in there, that former company was in there. If they had just gone about ten more feet. Now I'm here today sent from the presence of God to tell you, don't stop short. Just don't stop short. Just keep on keeping on with what God's told you to do. I had a prophet of God tell me years ago, he really was a prophet. You know most people say their prophets aren't prophets. And anybody that's saying they're prophet all the time, guess what, they're not. Because you don't have to tell people what you are, they'll, they'll recognize it. Can you say Amen. But he told me, I, I asked him, I, I remember I was sitting in his car right side of him and I asked him, because I was a young boy, I said, what, 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 what should I do? What should I do? I feel this call on my life. What should I do? And I'll never forget, I was expecting some profound thing. And he looked over at me and he said, just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing. I think all of us want to hear some great, grandiose thing. Just keep doing what you're doing. If you're doing what God's told you to do, just keep doing what you're doing. I'm here today to tell you, don't stop. There's the title of my message. Said all that to say this. Don't stop on six. Real loud, say, don't stop on six. What do you mean by that, Pastor Terry? Don't stop on six. Where did that come from? Don't stop on six. Well, I'm going to show you here in just a moment. But you know, six is the number of man. Now, I'm not, I'm not into numerology or nothing like that. You understand that. But there is some truth about numbers in the Bible. And one thing I do know is that six is the number of man. It has to do with man's doing or man's power. Seven, does anybody know what seven? Seven is the number of God's completion. God's completion. And did you ever notice this? How many of you are fairly good in math? I mean, I I used to teach math years ago, so I know a little bit about it. And I can tell you this, with all my years of study, 
abstract algebra, non-Euclidean geometry, advanced calculus, advanced linear algebra. And I mean, we could go on and on and on. But you know one thing I do know? Because I forgot all that. But you know one thing I do know? Is that six is just short of... And I didn't have to go to school all those years to learn that. I knew that when I was in about the second grade. Six is just what? Just short of... Seven. Six is the number of man. Six is the number of man's doing, man's power. But seven is the number of God's completion. I'm here today to tell you, don't stop on six. Notice Joshua, the sixth chapter. Let's go to Joshua, the sixth chapter. And, I want, and many of you are familiar with these things, these stories we're going to read. They're true stories. The Bible said in the New Testament, these things in the Old Testament were written for our examples. So let's learn from these examples. Uh, Jericho was a great city, and it had come up, and it was in the way of the people of God. And um, Moses had just died. Joshua had just taken over for Moses. He'd been faithful to Moses for many, many years, and now Joshua was the leader. and, and, um, And there was a great city named Jericho, and it was in the way. It was in the way it stood between them and the, the promised land. It stood between the people of God and the place God wanted them to be. And notice in Joshua chapter 6 verse 1 says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city all All your men of war, you shall go all around the city once, and this you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the what? The seventh day you shall march around the city how many times? Seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, and all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat. You can read the rest of the story. They did what God told them to do. And, of course, on that seventh day when they went around seven times, they shouted, blow the, blow the horns. Guess what? The wall fell down flat. And at the hand of God, they defeated the greatest city that stood between them and where God wanted them to be. But you know what? I don't know, but if Joshua was was like me, after I'd gone around there, first my first question to the Lord would have been, why do we have to go around seven times? Why can't we just do it once? Why do we have to go around at all? Why can't we just shout? Why do we even have to shout? Why do we, why don't you just speak to the thing and have, how many of you know God does what He does and we do what we have to do? Is that right? And so, and, and how many of you know you and me put together aren't running things, God's running things? So, so, so it's not a matter of God lining up with us, we need to line up with Him. Is that right? So we go get his plan, and if he says go around one time a day for six days, and then on the seventh day go seven, guess what? That's what he wants done, so we we don't question God, we do what he says. Is that right? But I know me, I, I, okay, so, so one day, and then two days, three times around, about the fourth time around, I'm thinking, it doesn't look like anything's happening. It doesn't look like anything's working. I've gone around this city once. I've gone around it twice. Gone around three times. Gone around it four times. It didn't look any different on the fourth trip than it did on the third. 
Is anybody like me? Is anybody? I guess I'm just different. I don't know. But that's how, you know. And then the fifth time. And then the sixth time. I wonder, well, you know, it looks like nothing's happening here. It looks like nothing's happening here. But don't stop on, don't stop on six. Obey God. Yeah, but I'm out of gas. I'm out. I'm tired. I can't go on. No. Don't stop on six. Go around that seventh time. Do it. Go to completion. Do what God told you to do. Obey Him. One reason people aren't more blessed than what they are. I'm talking Christians aren't any more blessed than what they are. is because they hadn't obeyed God fully. They're just doing part of what He said to do, you see. you got to do it all. you got to do everything He said to do. you got to stick with it. Go around. And the seventh time. Don't stop on six. Get around there the seventh time. And then blow the, you know, you know seven times. Seven, on the seventh day, seven times. Blow the trumpet. Shout. I don't want to shout, Pastor. I'm a Baptist. I don't shout. <laughs> hey, I was raised in a Baptist church. We didn't shout in a Baptist church, but this, is a, this isn't a Baptist church. I'm still a Baptist at heart, but I'm just a Baptist that got filled with the Holy Ghost, started speaking in other tongues. So we're Baptocostal. Can you say amen? amen? If you want to know what kind of church we are, we're not a snake handling church, I'll tell you that. You bring a snake in here, I'm going to get a garden hoe and have my wife kill it. I'm telling you right now. No snake handling here, but we're, say, Baptocostal. Yeah. Baptists that got filled with the Holy Ghost started speaking in other tongues. Isn't that wonderful? But, praise God, we do what God says do. We go around seven times, do exactly what, don't stop on what? And on the seventh time, guess what? It fell and they got the victory, didn't they? I wonder what's standing between you and the promised land God has for you. I wonder what kind, what is your Jericho? I don't know. Everybody's Jericho is a little bit different. But God has a way to conquer it. Just don't stop on. Now maybe there's sickness or disease in your body. Maybe you've been dealing with sickness and disease. I know there's some folks been dealing with it for years and years and years. And it stands between you and enjoying life to the full. How many of you know God wants you to enjoy life to the full? But there's some nagging thing that's been bothering you and bugging you and so on and so forth. Well, go to 2 Kings, the 5th chapter, and the 9th verse. 2 Kings, the 5th chapter, and the 9th verse. 2 Kings, the 5th chapter, and the 9th verse. Then Naaman, now he was the commander of the Syrian army. And, of course, he had leprosy. Now, leprosy is a horrible thing. It's your, your, your flesh just rots off your body. Naaman went with his horses and chariot. This is 2 Kings 5, 9. Naaman went with his horses, chariot, stood at the door of Elisha's house. Now, Elisha was a, was a prophet, a man of God. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan how many times? Did he say six? Did he say three? Yeah, what did he say? He said seven. And your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious. I can relate with that. Why do I need to dip seven times? Why can't I dip once? Why do I have to dip at all? Why can't you just come out and you know say abracadabra or something like that? You know, I shouldn't say abracadabra in church, but you get the idea. Why do I have to do it this way? Because if God says do it a certain way, do it the way God says do it. You don't question God. You might question me or somebody else, but you don't question God. Right? If you know it's the Lord speaking, then you don't question it. 
But he became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me. Oh, here. Here's what he was thinking. He said, The prophet will come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. See, so Naaman was thinking kind of like I would think. And then he goes on, further thinking that I would have, because, you know, I don't get in a swimming pool unless it's nice and clean. I don't like to get in a swimming pool unless it's nice and clean. But we're not talking about a swimming pool here. But how many of you like your swimming pools to be nice and clean? Oh, I do. But he says, are not the Abna and the Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? In other words, why do I why do I have to go why do I have to go dip in that river? What river did he tell him? The Jordan seven. Why do I have to go there? There's I got better rivers back home. Why couldn't I? Do? Because God said the Jordan. He didn't say the Abnon. He didn't say the Farfar, or however you say that. He didn't say that, didn't he? What did he say? The what? The Jordan. How many of us? We don't seek the Lord and we, I'll tell you one reason people are worn out, I mean, is a lot of times they, they do not get the plan that God has for them. They go get their own plan and ask God to bless it. No, get God's plan and it's already blessed. Did you get what I just said? I mean, if you're running on the wrong road, you're going to run on that road a long time and never get where you're supposed to be going. If you're on a road God doesn't want you on. Isn't that just the truth? A lot of people don't seek the Lord. They just get their own plan and ask God to bless it. Wouldn't it be better if we just went and got God's plan? And then it's already blessed to start with, isn't it? But let's say you got God's plan and you've been running on that road. You still get tired. But I'm here today, as I've said before, I'll say it again. You're on the right road. You're running. You get tired. But yet, if you'll not quit, there's a foreordained time that God is good. I'm going to bless you. Just don't stop short. Don't stop on six. So he's complaining about why do I got to go in these rivers, so on and so forth. And then verse 12 says, could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Angry. You know, people get mad at God sometimes, don't they? Does God deserve it? No, he has never done anything wrong. And his servants, verse 13, came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says, go wash and be clean? So he went down and he dipped how many times? In the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Now, again, if it had been me, after I got in the water, after about four dips, I'm wondering, I don't look any different than I did on the first dip, second dip, third dip, fourth dip, five dip, don't, doesn't look any different, six dips don't look any, but just don't stop on what? Don't stop on six, go on, dip, do what God said, dip the seventh time, and you'll come up clean. Don't stop on six. This is a word for all of us here today. Let's don't stop on six. And let me tell you what, it takes faith to go all the way to seven. Did you know that? How many of you know Joshua? It took faith, didn't it, for him to keep circling the city? And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews, whatever is 11 or 12 there, it says, by faith the walls fell. It took faith when he was going around that city, him and the people. It, say, say this, say it takes faith. It takes faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen or perceived with the physical senses. Is that right? How many of you know this guy here, Naaman? He, I mean, 
This guy, if you study any, he was a heathen. How many of you know God loves heathens, doesn't he? He loves heathens just as much as anybody else. Is that right? And, 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 and he loved, God loved this guy. But this guy, it took faith. Did you know it took faith for him to keep going? And he was angry. How many of you know if you get angry, you can, you, you can get over being angry? Is that right? He got over it. And he said, what do I have to lose? So he went and he dipped. And it took faith. But on the seventh time, he came up and his flesh was just as clean as a little baby's. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't God good? But we just don't need to stop on six. Don't stop on six and get mad at God because it isn't working out. No, go all the way. Don't give up and quit. Keep on keeping on. And at the appointed time, you will reap. Because God said you would. Maybe there's a spiritual drought in your life. Look at 1 Kings, the 18th chapter. Maybe there's a spiritual drought in your life. Maybe there's some sort of a drought in your life. Like we said, sickness and disease. If there's sickness in you, I just feel impressed to go back and say this. If you've been battling sickness, battling disease, don't give up and quit. Don't stop. Just keep believing God. Keep standing. Keep standing. Remember what a wonderful man of God told me years ago. If you want to be successful with God, just stay until the devil leaves. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will what? flee from you so when you submit to God you resist the devil then you know what you do you just stay and tell the devil what till he leaves because he will leave because God said he would and in the meantime you just keep circling the city and you circle it and don't stop on six you go all the way to seven keep dipping in the pool that God told you to dip in don't stop on six go all the way to seven And that sickness and disease that's been troubling you and plaguing you, if you don't stop on six, eventually the thing will leave. How many of you know all sickness and disease is of the devil? Is that right? And if you don't stop on six, eventually that thing will leave. But maybe there's a drought in your life. Maybe there's some sort of a spiritual drought in your life. How many's ever gone through a spiritual drought besides me? It just seemed like everything's dry. Everything's dull. Seems like God's not saying anything. How many of you know God's saying something all the time? He's talking in His book to us all the time. We just have to get in there. Is that right? One thing I've learned about Christians, one thing I've learned about myself is we a lot of times want God to talk to us. Talk to me, Lord. Talk to me, Lord. Talk to me, Lord. But we're not spending near as much time in the Bible as we should. If we're not going to listen to God's general direction, why should he speak to us specifically? He's always talking to us right here in the B-I-B-L-E. It's still the book for me. How about you? But you know what? You can go through spiritual droughts. I've been through them myself. I've watched many people go through them. Some kind of a drought that, you know, seems like God's not saying anything. Seems like it's just parsed and, you know, it's just dry. And I've watched marriages go through this. Maybe you're here today and your marriage is dry. Maybe, maybe you're going through a drought in your marriage. But how many of you know God's good at fixing droughts, you know? But you've got to cooperate with Him. Now, like in a marriage, you've got to cooperate. Both the husband and the wife have to cooperate. Now, the man can't fix it, and the woman can't fix it by themselves. You've got to work together. Say, work together. And I've learned this. You'll never be able to change your mate. If you're trying to change them, you'll never be able to change them. You change yourself, and you pray for them. You don't nag them. You pray for them. Can you say amen? You change yourself, work on yourself, and pray for them. And God will work on them. He'll work on you. And if you start doing that for one another, God will start working on each of you until he's got both of you fixed. Can you say amen? 
But you can get out of any drought. Any drought you're in, God has a way of getting out of a drought. He can get you out of a drought. You just don't stop on six. I've watched a lot of marriages over the years that they ended in divorce. They didn't have to. If they'd have just done a little bit of work on either end, you know, and, 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 and they just stopped just a few, a few turns short of hitting that gusher load, uh, but, but they just throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up and quit. Just keep on keeping on. Don't stop on six. Just go on. And, and, and that drought will pass if you'll obey God and you don't give up and quit. But notice here in 1 Kings 18th chapter in the 41st verse. Then Elijah said to Ahab. Now Elijah was a prophet of God. Ahab was a wicked king. And it hadn't rained for about three and a half years. Now that's a drought. Wouldn't you say that's a drought? It hadn't rained for about three and a half years. Things were dry. The, the, the brooks were drying up, etc. so on. And Elijah said to Ahab, he said, go up, eat and drink, for there's a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, up on that mountain there. And he bowed down on the ground, put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up, and he looked, and he came back, and he said, there's what? There's nothing. Doesn't look good. Looks bad. There's nothing. I went up and looked. I did what he said to do. I obeyed God. There's nothing. Does that sound familiar? And seven times he said, go again. So for six times, nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. But in verse 44, it says, it came to pass that the what? The what time? The seventh time that he said there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and the wind and there was heavy rain. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Had rain for three and a half years and for six times it looked like nothing. And even the seventh time it almost looked like there was nothing going on. Just a cloud the size of a man's hand. But praise God he didn't stop on six. And on seven, here comes the rain. Don't you dare stop on six. It was worth coming for this, wasn't it? Don't stop on six. I could stop right there, but I'm not going to stop on six. Let's go ahead and finish. Let's go to Matthew 18. Let's finish here. Just a few more, few more things to look up, but this, let's do this real quick. Peter, this is Matthew 18:21. And Peter came to Jesus and said, "Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times." Is that right? That Matthew eighteen twenty one. Did I get that right? And Peter said, "How many times does my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven? And Jesus said to him, "I do not say to you up to seven, but up to what? Sometimes you don't stop on seven; you just keep right on going. Yeah, but Pastor, you don't know what they did to me, and they did it to me, and they did it to me again and again. Have you ever had anybody do the same thing to you again and again and again? Yeah, but I forgave him six, I forgave him seven. The pastor said, don't stop on six, so I went to seven, but by golly, I'm not going to eight. 
Well, when it comes to forgiveness, guess what? You just keep on going. And keep on forgiving. And if you really study into this out, study into this out. Is that good English or what? I'm a math teacher, not an English teacher, but nonetheless. But if you really study into this, 70 times 7, if you go to the Old Testament with Daniel, he said he talked about those 70, 70 weeks, 70 weeks are determined for your people. And if you did a little prophetic study into this, what he's really saying here, what Jesus is saying is, as long as there's time given to men, we ought to be forgivers. So when it comes to forgiving, you don't stop on 6, you don't stop on 7, you don't stop on 8, you don't stop on 9. You just keep on going. And Jesus set up to seven, uh, seven, uh, 7 times uh, 70. That's 490 times, isn't it? That's in one day. But he's really not even saying 490. If you go to the Old Testament, as long as there's time, we'd, we, we'd be forgivers. Now, let me just say this, because whenever I say something like this, there's always somebody listening somewhere, internet or somewhere, where you're in an abusive relationship. You don't stay in an abusive relationship. How many of you know you can love somebody from a distance? That's better than hating them up close, right? That's better than getting beat up by them up close, is that right? It's like when I preach a message, Jesus talked about, turn the other cheek. How many has ever heard that? So I used to think, well, Lord, I'm going to turn the other cheek, so I'm going to be a punching bag for the world. No, no, no. If you turn the other cheek, like he said do, then he fights your fights for you. But if you don't turn the other cheek, guess what? You've got to do your own fighting. But if you'll turn the other cheek, God will do your fighting for you. And he's going to win every time. Did you hear what I just said? I'm going to let God do my boxing for me. How about you? Turning the other cheek has nothing to do with becoming a punching bag for the world. It has to do with getting God involved in your battles. I don't know why I said that. That wasn't in my notes, but somebody needed to hear that. How often do we forgive? Do we stop on six? Do we stop on seven? We just keep right on forgiving. But if you're in an abusive relationship, my mom said this years ago, I never have forgot. She said, I'd only let a man beat me up once, she said. You know, she was right. You don't stay in abusive relationships. You know, there's some, one I'm thinking of right now, I had to decide to love this person from a distance. Because every time I let them up close, well, they didn't physically abuse me, but they verbally abused me. Have you ever been verbally abused? And, that can be as bad as physical abuse in many ways. Because the physical shot to your jaw, that'll heal up typically. But, you know, words can get down in your spirit and lodge there and be there for years and years and years. Sometimes you just have to love people from a distance. But you love them and forgive them nonetheless. Can you say amen? Does anybody know what Proverbs twenty four sixteen says? If you don't, it's going to be on the screen. You ought to write this one down. It says this, Proverbs 24, 16. says, a righteous man may fall how many times? You get knocked down seven times, but what do you do? You keep getting what? You keep getting back up. You don't stop on six, you go to seven, and you go past seven if you have to. 
You get knocked down, you keep getting back up. You know that seven, you get knocked down seven times is significant because what that's really saying, if you get knocked down every way there is to be knocked down, has anybody ever got knocked down in life besides me? You got This one knocked you down, that one something knocked you down, some circumstance knocked you down, some sickness knocked you down, whatever the case, some financial deal knocked you down. You get knocked down every, see seven, that's completion. You get completely knocked down to the point, to the point that the, the, the trainer's ready to throw in that towel. What does the Bible say? You get back up. I've learned this, you can discourage the devil. You know, we had Popeye, we had George Jetson, let's bring in Hulk Hogan. Anybody ever see the Hulkster? Anybody ever, you know who I'm talking about? How many knows who I'm talking about? You ever watch any wrestling or, <laughs> My grandma used to think wrestling was real. And she sat there and she'd scream at the television. Kill him, kill him, kill him. You know. But anyway, but how many remembers Hulk Hogan? And, and the Hulkster would get beat. They'd beat him and they'd beat him and they'd beat him and they'd beat him. And he'd be laying there and you'd think he's dead. Hulkster's dead. It's over. And all of a sudden, he'd start shaking. Anybody remember that? And he'd start shaking and he'd sit up and he'd get up and he'd just beat the tar out of the other guy. But when he started shaking, the opponent, you could see fear go through his eyes. Because, because you see, they had knocked the Hulk down. They hit him with everything they had to hit him with. Had nothing left to hit him with. And guess what? He's still getting back up. And you can discourage the devil the same way. He can throw everything at you, including the kitchen sink, and you just start shaking under the power of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. When the devil thinks you're there and you're dead, the power of God will come on you. And uh, he's shaking under the power of the Holy Ghost and get up and just shake right in the devil's face. And I tell you what, you resist him and he'll run from you as in stark raven terror. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Discourage the devil. I'm tired of watching the devil discourage God's people. We ought to be discouraging the devil. Did you hear me? We need to start goofing him up some instead of him always goofing up us up. A lot of people, a lot of Christians get up afraid. Wonder what the devil's going to put on me today. No, no, we ought to switch that thing around and we ought to get up glory to God forevermore and have the devil wonder what are we going to do to him today, praise God. I like what went now. Now, don't ever watch The Exorcist. Say amen. Don't ever watch that. But in that movie, somebody told me that there was one scene in there where the, where the demon-possessed person picked a, picked a priest up and threw him out the window or something like that. I don't know. But I heard one preacher say this. said, said that's on Hollywood movies, but in real life it ought to be just the other way around. The devil ought to be throwing the preacher out the window. The preacher ought to be casting the devil out the window. Can you whew, I feel the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? we got to get stirred up a little bit. Let's let the devil stop. He shouldn't be running our life. We ought to be running him can you say amen glory to god i'm tired of the devil running people's lives people afraid of the afraid of what's he going to do what's the devil going to do what's it i tell you what we as christians we ought to have a skip in our step a glide in our stride we ought to have a smile on our face we ought to have the name of jesus on our lips we ought to have the power of god in us we ought to be so full of the holy ghost praise god we're just going a miracle going somewhere to happen can you say amen glory to god praise god forevermore can you say amen? Glory to God. Praise God. So don't stop on. You know, after Joshua had that great victory at, at Jericho, you know there was a little city came up. Does anybody know the name of it? It starts with an A and ends with an I. You're smart people. Brilliant, brilliant. 
And you know what? They had that great victory, but then that, they won that victory in that big city, and then that little city there was defeat. Much we could say about it. But you know what? And I'll just tell you this in closing. Joshua's laying there having a pity party. Has anybody ever had a pity party besides me? Oh, Lord. We had that great victory, but now this little bitty city. Oh, Lord. Oh, it looks so bad. What happened? You know, I've learned this about the Lord. I've learned this about Him. There's times when I think that He's going to be kind of gruff on me, and He's just so sweet and gentle. And then there's times when I'm thinking He's going to be so sweet and gentle, and He'll tell me something abrupt. You ever learned that about the Lord? I've learned that about him. And here you see, Joshua has had that great victory, and now the, that little city Ai is defeated. And, and you'd think that the Lord would come in there and pat him on the head. And you know what the Lord said to Joshua? I'm going to quote it. He said, get up. And I'm here today by the Spirit of God to tell you, get up out of that pity party. Get up out of that sickness. Get up out of that disease. Get up out of that situation. Don't lay there and let the devil kick dust in your feet anymore. Get up. Realize, say, get up. He said, to John, he said, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? I'm here today to ask you, get up. Why are you lying like that? Why are you laying there defeated? No, get up and you start running the devil. Don't let him run you anymore. Can you say amen? amen. Acts 14 and we'll close. Verse 19. You getting anything out of this today? Acts 14, 19. We'll close here. The Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there. That's where Paul was. And having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now listen to me. If there was ever a place in all the scripture that somebody could have made a good argument for giving up and quitting, it would have been right here at the end of verse 19. He did everything he knew to do. I'm talking Paul. He was serving God. He, he was out on his missionary. He'd done everything he knew to do. And now he's been beat up. He's left for dead. They drug him. They beat him up, killed him in the city, and they drug him out and they left him for dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you something. Don't ever forget this. You're going to have people walk away from you in your life. You're going to have people forsake you. You're going to have people that you thought was your friend. They left you. They walked away. It's just, it, it just, it's, it's just the way that it is. There's nothing you do about it. But you know something else I've learned? That there's always a group of people that will stick with you. Though they may be few in number, thank God for them. Can you say amen? And notice, when the disciples gathered around him, see, Paul had lots of people walk away from him. He had people walk away from him left and right, just like Jesus had people walk away from him left and right. But Paul never quit. Jesus never quit. Glory to God. You understand that. But notice, there was a small group of people that did stick with Paul even to the end. But these disciples gathered around him, and guess what? A righteous man may get knocked down seven times, but he keeps getting up. What happened? He rose up and went into the city. Glory to God. He didn't quit. If there was ever time to quit, it would have been after Acts 14, 19, and he didn't quit. He got up, praise God, and he went again. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel of the city, they made many disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the... Exhorting them to what? To what? Exhort, to what? 
This is the same man that wrote Galatians 6, 9 that we opened the service with. This guy just got beat up. He didn't just get beat up. He got killed. He did. It's clear. He was dead. Most theologians believe this is when God caught him up to the third heaven. And he saw things which were, it wasn't lawful to utter. But be, be that as it may, nonetheless, he rose up. You know how many people would have quit right here? He could make good reason for it. But he didn't quit. He rose up and went into the city. He continued on. And, and do you notice something? And let's all have this about us. Let's be like Paul. He wasn't going around looking for people to encourage him. He just got beat up and left for dead. I'd be going around looking for somebody to encourage me. But guess what is he doing? He's going around strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith. And saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. And the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. What I want you to take away from this is you just keep doing what God told you to do. Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't you dare give up and quit. I'm here as a Holy Ghost cheerleader today. I was thinking about bringing my, my pom-poms, but I thought that might be a... You, you, does anybody know what pom-poms are? Do I have to explain that to you? It's those things that those cheerleaders... Brian would have got a little nervous if I'd have brought my pom-poms in here. But you know, a pastor sometimes needs to be a Holy Ghost cheerleader, you know? So that's why I'm here, a Holy Ghost cheerleader. I'm saying, rah, 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 sis, boom, ba, don't stop on six. That didn't rhyme, but you got the message, right? <laughs> don't stop on what? Don't stop on six. Don't you dare quit. You just keep doing what God told you to do because there is a foreordained time that you will reap if you faint not. And I'll tell you this, you may not get all your full reward on this side, but if you don't get it on this side, guess what? There's the other side at the judgment seat of Christ where whatever you don't get here, you get there. And you know one good thing about getting stuff there is what you get there is eternal. Stuff you get here is temporal, but stuff there is eternal. Can you say amen? amen. Stand with me if you would. I trust this helped you. Preached a few minutes long, but I guess it was worth it. Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I pray for the people today. Lord, that they wouldn't let this message just be another message that they came, they heard, and they went their way. And let me tell you what, and you need to know this, don't forget this, the devil comes immediately to steal the word. But he can't do it if you won't let him. And the way the devil steals the word is if you don't pay full attention to it, then see, he's able to come in and steal it. But if you'll take this message and keep it in front of you, keep it before you, you may not remember every word I said, but you got the essence of it. Don't stop on six. Don't stop short. Don't give up and quit. Keep on keeping on. That's, that's the theme of what I was talking to you about today. I was going to preach something totally different. This is what the Holy Ghost wanted me to preach today. You need to know this. This pulpit is run by the Holy Ghost. I, I can miss it, all right, but I try to flow with Him. This is what He wanted today. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop on six. Just keep on keeping on. And eventually, the blessing will come. So that's what you need to take with you. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never received Him as your Savior, you need to do that. 
The Bible says there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And the only way to miss hell and make heaven is to repent of sin and ask Jesus to come into your heart. Make him the Lord and Savior of your life. And in a moment's time, he'll translate you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of of Jesus, of his dear son. You can miss hell, make heaven, and he'll make life worth living. So if you've never received Jesus, before you leave here today, there's some men and women standing up here. All you got to do is when we dismiss, walk up and say, hey... Talk to one of them. Say, hey, I want to receive Jesus. And they'll pray with you. And he'll come in a second's time, he'll come into your heart. And you'll be so glad you did. So if you need to, to do that, you do that when we dismiss. If you need prayer for whatever it may be, these people are up here. They're up here for you. They're up here to pray with you. Okay? So thanks for coming. I love each and every one of you. And my prayer for you is that you'll not stop on six, but you'll go all the way And do everything that God told you to do. And know that he'll bless you when the time is right. Praise God forevermore. Well, tell somebody I'm not going to stop on six and you're dismissed.